What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience Podcast. If you guys have not already clicked on the survey that's in the description for this podcast, please click on that so we can get some feedback on our show to make it as best as we can. Um, Today is a solo episode. Today is a solo episode. Berg is uh, a little busy today, so today we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to do something a little bit different And I am going to tell you guys exactly why I do not love the Premier League. That's right. I don't love it. Because you know what? In life, you can only love one thing at a time. And um, I'm a La Liga guy. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'll tell anybody I know. I personally think it's the best league in the world. I'm not here to boost up La Liga today, but today I'm just going to spit with you you guys some raw stats, some raw facts that prove that maybe, just maybe, the Premier League isn't all it's cut out to be. Let's start out very, very basic. Will a six-pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important? If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get to that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you have to get stronger. Okay, so let's get started. And I'm going to give you guys three reasons why I do not love the Premier League. Reason number one, you know, I was watching what I'm going to call the modern English Classico, Manchester City versus Liverpool last week. Incredible game of football. Probably the best two teams we have ever seen in the Premier League ever. Top to bottom, including the bench. These rosters are absolutely stacked. Ownership groups are solid. Probably the two best managers in English football, if not the world. One of the things that stuck out to me across both teams is the lack of young talent. Now, I don't know what some people in the Prem are thinking, but, you know, when even if you look at the... the award of young player of the year i believe you can be up to the age of 24 25 i could be mistaken but you know for good old time's sake we're going to use the cutoff of the age of 25 and if you look across both starting 11s there are only two players two players under the age of 25 now of course from a pure sporting standpoint you want players that are experienced that are grown, that can handle the demands of English football twice a week against the level of caliber of opponents such as Manchester City or or Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea or Manchester United or Tottenham. This league is not for kids. It's really, really not. Now, that, that may suit your cup of tea, but it doesn't suit mine. I love 
seeing a young player advance through the team throughout the years and get the quality chances they deserve. Look at the starting 11s for Liverpool, Manchester City. Again, only two players, Phil Foden, Alexander Trent-Arnold. Foden's 21, Trent's 23. Everybody else is above 25, the majority of players being 27 and older. Their careers have peaked. This is their peak. And watching their peak, yeah, it's enjoyable. But I love watching the journey. I love watching these young players as they grow, get better and better and better. And just because your team is young, that does not mean you cannot perform at Europe's top level. Compare what I call the English Classico, Manchester City versus Liverpool, to the real Clasico, Barcelona versus Real Madrid. What if I told you that the last El Clasico had eight players under the age of 25? Eight players starting. Now, of course, Barcelona isn't all cracked out to be this year, but Real Madrid. We all know that they're going to go far in this year's Champions League. We all know it. They play Chelsea's second leg tomorrow. I'm just going to say it right now. They're going to win. You saw what they did last week. Look what they're going to do this week. Barcelona. Things have changed as Xavier Hernandez has taken charge. Gavi. Pedri. Try and tell me that they're not two of the top 20 midfielders in the entire world at this exact moment in time. They are young. You look at the rest of Barcelona Madrid's squads. Pedri, Gavi, Arujo, Dest, Garcia, Ferran, Fati going over to Madrid. Camavinga, Vinicius, Valverde. To a lesser extent, Rodrigo, young, not as quality, still young nonetheless, still starting on a regular basis for Real Madrid. You can't say it's the same for that in England with England's top teams. And and it's not just, it's not just a La Liga thing either. Look at Bayern Munich, Musiala, Davis, Upamecano, quality players. Need I say anything about Dortmund? Young talent factory. Are they winning? That's a subject for another podcast. But again, young talent. Same goes for Porto. Same goes for Benfica. Same goes for Sporting. Ajax, my God. Now, does this hold true in Italy? No, but you know. Serie A, they're a little bit older. They have their own culture. I never said Serie A was my favorite. But, come on, Premier League. I expected better. I really, really do. Even look at the benches for these two top teams. Curtis Jones, quality player. Why don't we see him play more? Joe Gomez, quality player. He plays when others are injured. He's 24. He's in his prime next year. He's going to be competing with who for a starting spot? 
Konate, 22 years old. What if I told you that Konate was bought for 20, 36 million euros, and out of the 30 league matches this year, he's only played eight? Okay, he started most of the cup matches. But think of it this way. When Konate was playing for RB Leipzig, was he not considered one of the best young defenders in the world? Can you say the same for that for him this season? I don't think so. You got to play. You got to play. And for me, I want to see these players play week in, week out. You know, best man starts. And you know what? If the quality of the league demands that you have to play players of the caliber of Virgil van Dijk every single week, then okay, that league is quality. I'm just saying that's not what I want to see every week. Let's mix it up. Give the young bloods a chance. Point number two, pace of play. I love slow build-up play. It's like watching a painting or a piece of art being sculpted in front of my very eyes. When some people say, you know, Barcelona, all they do is pass his side to side. You know, I, I know that they don't have a true understanding for the game. Because if you look at the movement of every single player on and off the ball, it's really at work of art in England it's just it's just not the same the pace of play is so fast so direct so straight to goal even Guardiola a man who I watched at Barcelona for many many years I can count on one hand the amount of long balls I had seen him play with Barcelona with Manchester City they build it out the back, super quick, boom, long ball to Foden, boom, long ball to Riyad Mahrez or Phil Foden or whoever's out wide. And you know what? It works. It works. They do a counterattack from there. Their, their counterattack is more dynamic. Yes, they do their tiki-taka during the dynamic uh, counterattack, but it's not the same of Pep Guardiola of Barcelona with Xavi and Messi and Iniesta and Busquets and David Villa and all those boys, you know, really taking a team apart by the seams by using passing in possession in the final third. Does Manchester City do that against lesser opposition? Yes, because they're scared. Do they do that against the best teams in the world? No, because they are just simply too good. They're simply too good. You you can't do that week in, week out on a, on a regular basis um, against the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea because you know what? The counterattack is too dangerous. You play that possession in the final third, oh my God, is Mohamed Salah waiting for you to screw up and watch what will happen. Again, does that mean the Premier League is a poor league? No, just not my cup of tea. Point number three. I probably should have put this at point number one because I'm going to talk about one thing. One thing. 1v1 duels. Players in the Prem have the technical ability. It used to not be this way, y'all. It used to not be this way. Before, the best technical players in the world played in La Liga. That is, sadly, no longer the case. 
these English academies set up their game. They focused on technical skill. Players of the likes of Phil Foden can do just as much with the ball as, okay, maybe not Neymar, but somewhat close. He can do whatever he wants with the ball. Case in point, did you see the, the reverse control he did against Liverpool when he was on the left-hand wing? The ball was about to go out of bounds. He did a little pirouette spin, caught the ball with his right foot, and with the same touch, passed it to, I believe, Bernardo Silva, who was behind him. My God, that was amazing to watch. And by watching that, you already know he can do whatever he wants with the ball. He can take anyone on, one-on-one, and he'll likely win. My question is this, why doesn't he do that? Why don't these players in the Prem have the license to take players on whenever they want? We know that they can, and we know that they'll be successful at it. Why don't they? I'll tell you why. In the Premier League, you cannot operate as a one-man army. I told you guys, the number one is very important here. In the Premier League, I'm going to steal a phrase from the NBA world. You have to make the right basketball play, the right soccer play. If a pass is there and you're on Manchester City or or, or Liverpool um, or a team of quality, you have to make the right play. You cannot be selfish because there are a 10 other players on the pitch that are wearing your colors that can execute at an extremely high level and you can't be selfish. Me? I like a little selfishness here and there. That's honestly why I prefer uh, Copa America compared to the Euros. 1v1, mano y mano. Vamos, let's go. Let's see what you got. That being said, this one-man army also translates into who is powering your team to success. Again, look at the best teams in England. When was the last time a team with one or two key attacking players fired a team to success? Liverpool's got three, possibly four. Manchester City, that's, that thing is a machine. One player gets injured, plug another one in. To be completely honest, the last time a team from the Premier League was fired to success by one man, primarily one man, got to go all the way back to the times of Eden Hazard, And prior to that, Robin Van Persie for both Manchester United and Arsenal. Now let's go over La Liga. Very, very different case. Very, very different case. Players like Messi, Ronaldo, one-man armies. They're going to kill you. But, you know, that's a somewhat easy case. Two of the best players of all time. Let's talk about some others. Karim Benzema this year and last year. As I call him now, Karim the Dream, Ballon d'Or Benz. This man is dragging Real Madrid 
to a title and quite possibly a Champions League one as well. Does he have help? Yeah, he's got help. Vinicius, you know, really quality player. But man, oh man, there is only one man that's going to beat you on the day. His name is Karim Benzema. Everybody knows it. Nobody can do a damn thing about it. Ain't that something? I love to watch that. Let's go over to Atletico Madrid. Sergio Aguero, Fernando Torres, won two-man armies. Who were they replaced with? Do you remember Radamel Falcao? Fox in the box, as I used to call him back in the day, El Goledor, the only player on earth who frightened me just as much as Leo and Cristiano in the box. Once he got the ball in the box, it's a goal. He was that good. One-man army. Who was he replaced with? Diego Costa. Cholo Simeone. He gave the ball to one man. Y'all see what he did against Real Madrid in the Champions League final? Did they win? No. But man, oh man. Talk about a one-man army. Let's go over to the early days of Valencia. 2009-2010. The two Davids. David Villa. David Silva. Oh, man. Talk about technical brilliance. Talk about a two-man army. One-two punch. Goes on and on and on. Oh, we forgot about Griezmann. And I'm not talking the Griezmann with Atletico or Barcelona. I'm talking about Real Sociedad Griezmann. Did they win anything? Not in particular, but again, one-man threat. Can't do anything about it. So, y'all, again, three reasons why, you know, I prefer La Liga to the Prem. I'm not saying that objectively La Liga is better. I don't think anybody can say that at this point in time. I'm saying, in terms of my cup of tea, the Prem just ain't it. It's not. I think that the the one thing that really encapsulates all of my thoughts. Look at the goals that were scored. In what I call, again, the English Classico, Liverpool versus Manchester City. This past weekend, compare that to the goal that was scored by Pedri, assisted by Gavi, this past weekend for Barcelona. My God. God, the technical skill, the one-on-one, what Gavi did to those two players, what Pedri did with his skill, the amount of playing time both these guys get, if they were in the Prem, would the same thing happen? Absolutely not. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't. And that encapsulates everything. They're young. They're talented. They take players on. And yes, was that a fast play? It came from a solid buildup, though. Y'all, that is all I got for you today. Hope y'all enjoyed this episode. We'll see y'all next week.